trade deadline time is always fun around the NBA because we get the speculation, the new moves, the seeing how the teams end up coming together, the speculation on who won, who lost. And that's exactly what we're going to do today. We're going to go over the potential winners and losers in this year's NBA trade deadline moves. We're going to get into all that and more right after this. Thank you for tuning in to the number one place for your daily basketball fix, NBA Central. Hosted by the one and only CEO Hayes. Hi, right, basketball fans. Right off the top, you can follow me at CEO Hayes, the CEO H-A-I-Z-E. And welcome to another episode of NBA Central. We're going to talk about some of the winners and losers of this NBA trade deadline. And the first one up that I want to talk about is one that I did not expect at all to be talking about in this nature. And that is the Los Angeles Lakers. When the Lakers made the move, for Rui Hachimura, I was there saying that I, I love that move. I thought that, that was a, a nice move for that team to get some younger talent in there, somebody that they can build around, do some things for a little while. But then they went on and make, made a series of moves that just drastically improved that team overall. When you look at bringing in D'Angelo Russell, when you look at bringing in Mo Bamba, a, a big who, at least if he comes back to what he looked like last season when he was getting heavy minutes for the Orlando Magic before falling out of that rotation this season, the Lakers got a hell of a player for only sending out Tony, Bra- I mean, sorry, not Tony, Tom, Bulls fan, uh, for only sending out uh, Patrick Beverly. And then they also get uh, D'Angelo Russell. Like, that, th- that, those are moves that when you look at for the Los Angeles Lakers, getting Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley, D'Angelo Russell, those are all really young players. And D'Angelo Russell, a little bit older of that. But, like, again, he comes back to the franchise. You then look at Jared Vanderbilt, a, a nice young defensive forward who can just fit in in almost any lineup. Malik Beasley, a solid player as well, and not giving up very much at all in that deal. That was just great. I think the Lakers right now, they probably were the team that most turned around uh, their outlook um, in this season. And I know that's above the Phoenix Suns, in which we'll talk about up here next, but I just look at what they did, and I completely look at that team differently. Now, I'm not looking at that team as a contender all of a sudden, like that's going to be fighting for a Western Conference Finals or anything like that. But they go from a team that really had no uh, positive outlook as far as like young talent. They had a team that was filled with a lot of older players that you just questioned, hey, what what was this team's future going to look like? They add a younger player in Rui Hachimura. They then add more younger players in Mo Bamba, Malik Beasley, D'Angelo Russell, Jared Vanderbilt. And now the Lakers have at least what I look at as a future, even when LeBron James leaves this franchise of a team, a solid team around Anthony Davis, that you still need to do some things if you want to be a true contender and things like that. But they go from a team that, you know, if LeBron left that team that just had no positivity around it to a team that at least on paper looks like they're going to be a solid team. Now, of course, with all these trade deadline deals, it's kind of really too early to say if a team is truly a winner or loser just because things can change drastically over the course of time, but you definitely have to look at, uh, at at least right now on paper for what this team did and several other teams. It definitely helps them and their outlook in the future be a little bit more positive. Now, the next one that I want to talk about is, of course, the Phoenix Suns and a move that not many of us expected going into this trade deadline. Once Kyrie Irving demanded a trade, we knew it was going to change the trade deadline substantially. But to then the dominoes that fell, they end up sending also KD out. Uh, when you look at that, I like what the Phoenix Suns did. They add a generational talent in Kevin Durant, albeit at this point, of course, older, but they still add that generational talent to their core without really giving up much. Yes, they gave up Cam Johnson, who is a nice, talented young player in this league, and Mikel Bridges. You can say the same for him, but you get a player in Kevin Durant that just, he's a, he's a generational talent. And if he's healthy, pairing him with Devin Booker, uh, Chris Paul, and still having DeAndre Ayton down there, that's just 
huge. And then they did some other things along the course of that as well. They also send out Jay Crowder. Like they, the Suns made moves that I look at this and I say this, that like they made some great deals in my opinion. And I like what they did. And I like the fact that now they are not, I wouldn't necessarily say the favorites in the West until we see how that team comes together. But again, at least on paper, that shapes up to be a team that's almost unstoppable when it comes to the offensive side of the ball. We'll see how that defense ends up standing up, but at least on the offensive side, there's not many teams that are going to be able to match up with them. Now, next up is, is actually a team that got one of their players is the Milwaukee Bucks. And the reason why I'm putting the Milwaukee Bucks on this list, no, they didn't add anything hugely crazy or anything. But when you look at, you know, giving up George Hill, Serge Ibaka, uh, Jordan Noir, two second round picks, and then you get, oh, well, they also got more. But uh, when you get that Jay Crowder back for the Milwaukee Bucks in that, that's a player that brings exactly what they needed. That's what they needed. And so, you know, netting, uh, you know, the uh, five for, uh, second round picks for Jay Crowder is crazy. But Jay got like they got what they needed in a tough player to come off the bench, play some defense, do some solid things that can fit in what in, in their rotation. He can play with Bobby Portis. He can play with um, with Giannis. He can do a lot of things. This was another solid deal when you look at it. And then the next one up is a, again, it's kind of a chain daisy chain. The Brooklyn Nets, to me, I'm not going to label as a loser in this deal. When you look at the, the environment that had come since James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant came there, just that toxic environment, they eventually, the way that I look at it, for where, this, where the Nets started this season to where they are going to end the season at, they have a nice uh, roster with some young, talented players on it, some players that can have some huge upside. Of course, they're not anything that's going to be a, a, a looked at as a uh, championship contender, but you get you recoup all your draft picks that you gave up in the James Harden trade. You then reset with younger players in Cam Johnson, Mikael Bridges. Uh, you got Spencer Dinwiddie down there to add to the young players that you already have. Yes, it's going to be a long road for the Brooklyn Nets to get back if they ever do to contending, but at least for a team that had such a toxic environment around it. And then also you look at the head coach in Vaughn. I look at him as being the perfect head coach to come in there, help these younger guys come together coached this team. He already the team already became a better team when he came over as the coach. And this is just a another solid um roster that I look at and say, "Hey, is it amazing? No. Is it anything spectacular? No. But I don't have them as a loser on this. I just I just don't. I don't think that they lost at this trade deadline. They did lose in a way just because this team didn't isn't going to be anything and they did not live up to the expectations. This is one of the most disappointing super teams to ever come together. But at least I don't have them as a huge loser at 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 this uh this trade deadline. So that's my thoughts on that. Um, again, another winner that I have as well, the Toronto Raptors getting Jacopoto again, a, another player that I like. Um, I have them as winners and losers. I like them in the deal that they brought in, but to me, they're also as my light goes out, they are also a loser because they didn't do anything to break up the monotony of that roster. Right. There's a there's a ton of monotony on that roster. We've heard about it. We've heard about them. They wanted to do some things to separate that. They have a lot of players that are all similarly built. Fred Van Vliet. Uh, they didn't do anything to really take advantage of moving his contract. Another player that was moved. So while I started talking about them initially as a winner in the Jacopoto deal, uh, the Toronto Raptors, in my opinion, are an overall loser because they just didn't didn't really do anything to improve their roster or to break up some of the issues on their roster. Yes, you add a talented center that you're familiar with in Poto, but it doesn't. Do we look at them as really changing their outlook any at all? I I I per se don't. I I just don't. Um, in my opinion. Um, but another loser that I have, and I hate to put this team on the list because this is my team, is the Chicago Bulls. The Chicago Bulls came into the season with the expectations of trying to get out the first round. 
And to me, they are losers at this trade deadline because they did nothing to improve. Nothing. You look at every other team around the NBA at this point has made some move, whether it be via trade or whether it be on the buyout market. The Chicago Bulls are the only team that look at their disappointing season and then say, no, we're going to stay pat. That is a bit of a loss for me um, whole, uh, wholeheartedly. I don't like the, the fact that the Chicago Bulls decided not to do anything with their roster meaningful. Um, I look at like the lack of decision as you, you already didn't do much in the offseason. You saw yourself get passed up by a lot of teams, and then you have the chance to change that. Now, I know you have to have the right deal and another team that's willing to do business, but to me, the Chicago Bulls are a team that lost at this deadline to me. And the next one up is the Miami Heat. I have the Miami Heat as losers at this deadline as well. Uh, not that they weren't active or didn't try to do things, but like this is a team that just seems like they age has caught up with them in a big way. And because of that age catching up with them, they, you would think that they would try to do something. And maybe they're going to wait till the offseason. Maybe Pat Riley is at the point where he kind of wants to evaluate and makes decisions on which way he wants to go in the offseason. But to me, the Miami Heat are a team that with a couple of moves or, or, or a couple of acquisitions or something different, you can you can drastically change some things. But I, the Miami Heat didn't do anything meaningful to me. Um, they're a team that you know, they needed a little more umph. They didn't get it at all, in my opinion. But again, you guys can let me know on any of these if you agree or disagree with my outlook um, on their on the rosters. But I'm looking at the Miami Heat. I don't really see um, that they now, again, they're first in their division. So there is something to be said about that. They do have one of the best coaches in the NBA. So maybe they feel like they can coach their way out of it. But to me, you have uh, some some big contracts on there that you could have moved. You could have tried to do something with either Duncan Robinson, and Max Strauss um, to do something. They didn't really do as much. This is a team with a bunch of injuries. If you look at the injury report, it's like almost everybody has a DD next to them because they're day to day. So just they really didn't do much to improve. But again, I can't hurt hold it against them too much because of the things they do have. They do have one of the best uh, front offices. They do have one of the best coaches in the league. Um, so those are some of the things surrounding them. While they get a little bit more race um than i do that i mean more than the chicago bulls should but you know we'll see what happens in that the next loser that i have up in this one to me is is the portland trailblazers the portland trailblazers still fail to to pick a true direction to me and while they aren't completely like i said they're not like the chicago bulls where they're a team that's not making any moves and not trying to do anything but this is a team that you have um you have this this player this star in in dame lillard and because he doesn't want to leave, you guys don't seem, uh, you seem reluctant to move on from him. You have to try to build around him. You don't have very many draft picks. You gave up a pick, a first round pick to the Chicago Bulls that has such weird protections on it. It limits how you trade your other picks. Now, yes, they did, um, you know, they did get Kevin Knox from Detroit. So they did do a little something there. I think Kevin Knox is expected or has already been bought out. So that really doesn't mean anything in the long run there. You get in Matisse Thibel, who's a solid defensive player. But again, does he really change anything? And then the Cam Reddish edition. To me, I look at the Cam, Cam Reddish edition as, to me, it's just kicking the can. I look at Cam Reddish and Matisse Thibel and like, what are you doing here, right? These are two very similar players. Um, I know they both project to be, well, Matisse Thibel, the three, the three out of the three and D of him is gone. Um, and Cam Reddish projects to be this three and D wing that we've never seen be solid in, in shooting three pointers or playing defense. So maybe with an added level of responsibility, the Cam Reddish trade works out a little bit better for him and them getting him. But I'm just looking at what the, the Portland Trailblazers did. And to me, they didn't get better in any meaningful way. And I get it. They have those weird protections and that, that uh, on that first round pick that really, it almost makes them unable to, to trade any first round picks until 2028, which is bananas. Um, 
So, you know, you have those weird protections and that definitely limits you. And you did go out and you got Jeremy Grant this offseason, which was a big deal and looked like it was going to pay off at the beginning of the season. But it's since kind of evened out. He's still averaging over 20 points per game. But the Portland Trailblazers, to me, are a team that with with a move, right, could really move from being outside the plan where they sit right now as the 12th seed in the Western Conference and they could move. Now, you have some teams that are going to get worse uh, potentially out of this. So maybe they do that. But. I, I got the Portland Trailblazers as a loser because I think they just keep kicking the can down the road and making these moves that really in the long run don't really change the outlook of your team. That's my opinion. You guys can let me know what you think on all these winners and losers down below. But that is it for me for today. Make sure you're following the show at NBA Central Pod on Twitter. You can also send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, NBA Central Show at gmail.com. And then lastly, if you want to leave a text message, and our voicemail, the number to do so, 773-270-2799. We are the number one spot for everything NBA-related or soon to be as we keep trying to build this channel. Hit the subscribe button, too, by the way. We out this mug. Peace, y'all. This has been a presentation of The Break Break Media.